the hate and fringe can Morning, Dan. Love the new truck. Got it through Ford Blue Advantage. But this is used? Yep. Got everything I was looking for. Get a certified inspection. It's always these stupid ads going on. Come on. You don't want to hear these damn ads. The hate and fringe conspiracy theories pushed by the tree of life shooting suspect have not gone away. They are spreading, they are increasing. One example, the Washington Post reports that hundreds of anti-Semitic flyers were dropped along the street from the Daytona, across the street, I should say, from the Daytona 500, and they prompted one of the suspected gunmen's online rants. That's the same location where neo-Nazis held up signs like this. Henry Ford was right about the Jews. That's what one read. The sheriff there isn't taking it anymore. Sheriff Michael Chitwood is naming and shaming the people behind the hate speech, even though it's put a target on his back. Watch. When you're trying to crush a radical group of cowardly scumbags, unity and sunshine destroy it. There's a lot of people in this room and there's a lot of people around this country of the Jewish faith who are on their hit list. They try to besmirch your character. They try to put death threats out on you and threaten you and your family. Well, I wear that as a badge of honor because I too, by these clown group, want to shut my big mouth and put a bullet in the back of my head. Go for it. That's my message to you. Wow, saying go for it did not fall on deaf ears, apparently. Three men have now been arrested for making online threats against Chitwood. One allegedly said, just shoot Chitwood in the head. Very interesting that he said he would do that. Now, remember what I said, what Mike German said. These race soldiers said that they were going to shoot a white cop. Think about that for a moment. This is how dangerous these folks are. To murder him, another said, I will kill Chitwood, mark my words. And another, I'm going to shoot Mike Chitwood. So how is he responding to all of this? He's greeting them at the airport. Tyler, Very good I'm Volusia intro. County Sheriff Mike Chitwood. Welcome to Volusia County, Florida. Thank you. Enjoy your stay. So he caught them at the airport. When they brought him in, they caught them at the, he caught him at the airport and he wanted to send a message. I suppose let's go ahead and we're going to break this down. You're wondering like, okay, why is he bringing this up? We're going to break it down. Well, Sheriff <laughs> Chitwood joins us now. Thank you for being here. It's so astounding to us sitting here watching what you faced. I think to everyone watching to how you respond. What, as I understand it, this is not just about the threats to you. This is about threats to your family, right? The people that didn't choose to be in the position you're in. Yeah, that's correct. And I've been doing this for 34 years and good morning and thank you for having me on. Uh, my family, my daughters, my grandkids, my parents didn't sign up for this. Yeah. But when you got a bunch of cowards that hide behind the anonymity of social media, you know, they, they crank up their base through that. Does the tactic work to name and shame, to greet them at the airport, right? Because you're, you obviously want to bring this to light, but I think you really want solutions. You want this to stop. Yeah, I, I want it to stop, and I don't know if history's on my side of being able to end the hate. But what we can do is when you turn the camera onto them, 
and you put up their arrest photos and you put up their criminal histories and really show the community what a rogues gallery of criminals and thugs they are, it kind of it kind of sheds a different light on who, who you're dealing with. Yeah, you know, you I, we remember this press conference that you held back in February. And there were a lot of explicit examples of what was going on in the anti-Semitism in your community. It's very hard to listen to, but I think it's important. So we're going to play just a short part of this for people to sort of wrap their heads around. Now, these these guys look familiar. They look like they look like they were the same guys in Florida, which the black media had played before. They look very familiar. Leave our country, go back to Israel. You know where you bomb Palestinian kids? Where we fund you stupid Jews, $8 billion a year. You, can you imagine? I mean, you don't have to because it's happening. How common is stuff like that there? You know, it wasn't common. I think that's what really set me off. Uh, I feel like my community, a home invasion robbery occurred that uh, a segment of my, my population was targeted for their religion. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna stand for people to be targeted for their religion, for their race, for their sexual orientation or ethnic background. I'm not gonna stand for it. You have supported a proposed law there that would actually make anti-Semitic incidents, so things like we just saw, a felony. Talk to me about the law specifically, why you support it, and does it have a shot of becoming law? All right, now listen to me. Remember those laws that Mike German said are already on the books. Black folks are supposed to be in a protected class, of course. Now see how they're ramping this up. Yeah, it's House Bill 269. I think I expect it should be signed sometime this week and it enhances penalties for what you just saw. If you go on private property, which is what we're seeing, and you drop off hateful literature targeting someone for their religion, it's a felony. If you use a projector to shine hateful messages on the side of, of private property, it's a felony. If you get up in somebody's face with a bullhorn and you start screaming anti-Semitic uh, remarks to them, it's a felony, it's felony stalking. So we're really looking forward to this. You have previously been a supporter of former President Trump and the number uh -oh. of hate groups surged 55% under the beginning few years of his presidency. That's according to the Southern Poverty Law Center. He is the GOP front runner for 2024. I wonder if you have any message to him on this front or if you think he bears any responsibility. Now watch his, he's gonna watch his words. Listen to this. Uh, just from where I sit, when Charlottesville happened and the former president said, we're as good people on both sides, that was the whistle call that it's okay to be an extremist. And let me let me say about extremism, whether you burn a police station down, burn a police car off, or you're out there. Now, when he said burn a police station down, what was he talking about? He was talking about our backyard here. He was talking about Minneapolis, Minnesota, in fact. He didn't say the words. Charlottesville, to me, was much much worse than what happened in minneapolis far as well charlottesville they didn't burn as much stuff down and they didn't tear up the town but the thing is is charlottesville was really was reminiscent of of some of them early 1900 lynching them clan meetings where they used to lynch black folks to string them up oh you know there's not going to be no trial this nigga's guilty he touched this white woman oh we found out he didn't touch the white woman uh, well we just gonna string him up anyway it's got to be somebody black it's got to be somebody there. We're going to keep playing that beat. That's cold. Trying to wipe out a race or a religion 
That is extremism. There is no such thing, in my opinion, as left or right. It's extremism, and it should never be tolerated in American society. So your message to him in this campaign? You got you to help us here, Mr. President. You got to help us. If, if you become the president, you got to help us. You cannot be cuddling and, and, and cozying up to these far extreme groups that want to destroy America. There you go. Now, Volusia County, I want to give y'all a bar of some information on Volusia County, Florida. I want you to understand something here. Volusia County, Florida, east central part of Florida. Looks like it was founded in 1854. Now I want to say something real quick here. When we start talking about the Maroons, I'm in that Maroon. I'm, I'm, I got them that, that Seminole spirit boiling in my blood right now. Well, I'll be damned. The Seminole Indians, descendants of the Creek tribe of Alabama and Georgia, who resisted forced relocation to Indian territory, also camped in various parts of Volusia County. During the Second Seminole War of 1836 to 1842, the Seminoles burned the large sugar plantation in what is today the city of Daytona Beach. Shout out to the Maroons. Shout out to the Maroons. You understand? This doesn't look like 1948, but maybe it is. Looking at this picture. So the Seminoles, let's get down to where the black folks at. And they talked about this on the, make sure you go get that film, uh, American Maroon. Make sure y'all go get that. It's very important that our people see this. Everybody in the world should see this. We gonna keep playing that beat. That beat is cold. Shout out to Needle. It's a beat called Paranormal. Now, right here it says, in part due to the arrival of Native Americans from other cultures, the Seminole became increasingly independent of other Creek groups and established their own identity, identity through ethnogenesis. They developed a thriving trade network by the time the British and second Spanish periods, roughly 1767 to 1821. The tribe expanded considerably during this time and was further supplemented from the late 18th century from escaped slaves from Southern plantations who settled near and paid tribute to Seminole towns. They later became known as black Seminoles, although they kept many facets of their Gullah culture. You understand? After raids from Anglo-American colonists on Seminole settlements in the mid-18th century, the Seminoles retaliated by raiding the southern colonies, primarily Georgia, purposely on the behest of the Spanish. The Seminoles also maintained a tradition of accepting escaped slaves from southern plantations infuriating planters in the American South by providing a route for their slaves to escape, escape bondage. 
After the United States achieved independence, the U.S. Army and local militia groups made increasingly frequent incursions into Spanish Florida to recapture escaped slaves living among the Seminoles. American general, white supremacist Andrew Jackson, in 1817 to 1818 campaign against the Seminoles became known as the First Seminole War. In 1819, Dr. Claude Anderson talks about this a lot. The United States and Spain signed the Adams Onus Treaty. According to its terms, the United States acquired Florida and in exchange renounced all claims to Texas. The president appointed Andrew Jackson as military governor of Florida. As European American colonization increased after the treaty, colonists pressured the federal government to remove natives from Florida. Slaveholders resented the tribes harbored runaway black slaves, and more colonists wanted access to, to desirable lands held by Native Americans. Georgian slaveholders wanted the Maroons and fugitive slaves living amongst the Seminoles, known as Black Seminoles, returned to slavery. Let's let's keep playing this beat. This beat so damn cold. I wish I could get loop it fifty times. Now let's look. Hold on. I have something else up here. Where was it? Where is it? The Seminole War. Okay. The Seminole War from 1835 to 1842. Background. Let's look at the background here. Now, there was something that I seen earlier. Now, I'm on Wikipedia, so you got to take it for what it's worth. But this is a this they talked about this in the maroon uh, film as well. The status of runaway slaves was a continuing irritation between Seminoles and European Americans. The major problem was not with them, them they're saying the Seminoles, but with the Indian Negroes. General Taylor would not, being a slaveholder himself, deny the Seminoles of their Negroes, and in practice handed his captives over to Lieutenant J.G. Reynolds, U.S. Marine Corps, in charge of immigration. Spain had given freedom to slaves who escaped to Florida under their rule, but the U.S. didn't recognize it. Remember, I said, when Spain sold Florida, I think they sold it for like $2 million or so. If black folks would accept Catholic, uh, the Catholic faith and defend you know, the Spanish land, they were there to be free. They were supposed to get acres of land and all that. But the U.S. basically said, no, nah, nigga, we ain't going to do it. We're going to be, we're going to do what white supremacists do. You can't have the land. You got to go. You got to go. Over the years, those who became known as black or Negro Seminoles established communities separate from the Seminole villages and the two people had close alliances, although they maintained separate cultures. Negroes among the Seminoles constituted a threat to the institution of slavery north of the Spanish border. Let me say that one more time. 
Negroes among the Seminoles constituted a threat to the institution of slavery north of the Spanish border. Slaveholders in Mississippi and other border states were aware of this and constantly accused the Indians of stealing their Negroes. However, this accusation was often reversed. Whites were raiding Florida and forcibly stealing the red men's slaves. The American Maroon talks about how, where they say, well, the Indians own slaves. Well, a lot of those slaves or a lot of those enslaved black folks, in fact, you know, it wasn't like it was chattel slavery. Some of the, some of the five civilized tribes, yes, they did own slaves on some nigga get out in the field and work type of shit that work with the race soldiers. But down there in Florida, to my knowledge, they worked together. You weren't being dehumanized and considered to be 350 human because you was on, you wasn't on like, basically the white folks was bad because they wasn't putting these Negroes on a plantation. Worried about the possibility of an Indian uprising and an armed slave rebellion, Governor Duval requested additional federal troops for Florida. Instead, Fort King was closed in 1828. The Seminoles, short of food and finding the hunting becoming poorer on a reservation, were wandering off of it also. eighteen twenty eight Andrew Jackson, old enemy of the Seminoles, elected President of the United States in eighteen thirty Congress passed the Indian Removal Act. They wanted to solve the problems with the Seminoles by moving them west of the Mississippi River. So I'm telling you them maroons there was something in here, and they mentioned that in American maroon y'all gotta y'all gotta see that it was somewhere. Basically where they said, hey, this ain't no Indians giving us the business. These are black folks whooping our ass down here. They talked about that in American in, in, in American Maroon. Maybe I could find that. Let me look up John Horace. Yeah, it's Wikipedia, but I mean, it, it has some, some, you know. John Horace was born in 1812. He was of Spanish Seminole African descent. Yeah, John Horse was a beast out there. Okay, so he was. All right, John Horse. They need to they need to make a movie on John Horse. There was something in here that I seen before. I, I don't remember where it was, but he was a leader among the black Seminoles. He was a leader among, among the black Seminoles, but they, it was, it was some, it was some guy that did mention that. I can't remember who it was. Hold on, let's see if this test worked. I was using my Podbean. I want to see. It says download the recording. Let's see if it played. I'm just curious. Because then I could go live at the same time. Let's see. Testing. Check one, two. Test. Okay, it played podcast, but let me see. Testing. Check one, two.
Hmm. Okay, so it did play. But I don't know if it'll play through YouTube. Hold on, let's see. Let's see. We doing a little we okay, that's the same one. No, I'm gonna try to I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see if I can start going live on y'all and and actually recording through my and that's the beauty of being able to have it this way. Let's see. All right, let's let's get check. Y'all bear with me now. And they go on some technical shit right now. Testing, check one, two, testing. Yep, it played it. It sounds a little janky. See, this sounds better on the podcast equipment. It sounds much, much better, but y'all can hear me live too. So I'm going to start doing, I'm going to start going back doing live. Maybe, well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I, I like how this sounds. I like the quality. Now, speaking of which, the last report, and I'm going to break that down into the Cyber Sambo report. Somebody sent me this. NAACP sues Minneapolis alleging covert social media by cops. Minneapolis NAACP leaders on Wednesday filed a federal lawsuit against the city of Minneapolis over police officers' alleged use of stealth social media accounts to keep tabs and criticize black community leaders. Now, that's not something that y'all should be doing. If y'all law enforcement, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be doing that at all. Your job is to protect and serve. They were already, there's already a, a, it says, I was just getting ready to say, the allegation came to light last year as part of the Minnesota Department of Human Rights investigation into the MPD's practices and culture following the May 2020 murder of George Floyd. Officers posed as black community members on social media to criticize city officials and members of the NAACP. Work that wasn't part of any criminal investigation, Human Rights Commissioner Rebecca Lacero says. See, that's harassment. And they should arrest them for that. They also used the accounts to track the activity of NAACP members and push racist stereotypes about black people, the NAAP, NAACP said in a statement on Wednesday announcing the lawsuit. The group called the racially discriminatory surveillance unconstitutional. Well, what is the penalty for violating the Constitution? Well, if you swore on the Constitution and you're violating the Constitution and your job was to uphold the Constitution, you should get major time. Now, they talking about monetary punitive damage, 20 unnamed police officers. They should do like that sheriff said, put their names out there, shame them. All right. Now, the NAACP's attorneys point to an instance when an officer posed as a community member and responded to an invitation to a 2017 birthday party and mayor campaign event for black civil rights attorney and activist Nikema Levy Armstrong. So Armstrong said on Wednesday, the mood at the gathering, which was held at a Minneapolis restaurant, soured after several uniform officers sat down near her group. She said, I felt that they were there intentionally, that they were there to intimidate and their presence definitely had an impact on my guests in the event. So basically this was some plantation shit. Yeah, we're gonna try to spoil you Negroes parade. I'm gonna rain and piss on your parade. 
Now they ass was supposed to be out somewhere fighting crime, but they're sitting up in a restaurant eating chicken wings. This is the same thing that they did to the citizens of Mississippi. COINTELPRO 2.0. Then it said, neither the lawsuit nor the MDHR report alleged that police hacked citizens' social media accounts, only that they monitored and interacted with those. A city of Minneapolis spokesperson said in a statement Wednesday that the city disagrees with the assertion the MPD had used covert social media accounts to spy on black people, black organizations, or elected officials. That's cap. That is cap. That's cap. Of course, of course they're surveilling you. Here's another thing we need to talk about. This is off code as hell. Study finds gun assault rates double for children in four major cities during the pandemic. Rates of gun assaults on children roughly doubled during the pandemic, according to a study that looked at gun deaths and injuries in four major cities. They looked at Chicago, Philly, LA, and New York. It found that black children in those cities were 100 times more likely than white children to be victims of fatal and non-fatal shootings. Researchers did not include accidents or incidents of self-harm. I still do believe it's a bunch of race soldiers that's attacking black people that we don't know about. But for all your smoking dead ops people and all these shitty cuz ass niggas, we need to ban them. There needs to be an anti-shitty cuz. There needs to be an anti-serial hood hitter organization in our neighborhoods. You don't get a haircut. You don't get no chicken filly. These little hood rats don't give you no cat. You don't get nothing, nigga. You're a serial hood hitter. We ban you. The serial hood hitter needs to be banned. I'm never going to stop talking about that. The serial hood hitter needs to be banned. Damn it, man. Damn it, damn it, damn it. I want to play something and I'm going to give credit where credit is due. Now, there's this dude. I'm going to play this in a minute. Hold on. A guy named Ro Khanna. And this is like an old... This happened maybe a couple weeks ago or I'm not exactly sure. But there's a... There's an Indian brother here. He's keeping it real. He said, Don Lemon was right. As an Indian American, I was profoundly embarrassed by Vivek lecturing a black man about black history. The truth is that the black civil rights movement paved the way for the 1965 Immigration Act so that Vivek's family or mine can come to America. We owe a huge debt. Now listen to this. This is dude named Vivek. GOP presidential candidate Vivek Razmazwamy joins CNN this building. So he gets on the Crime Negro Network, and he, I guess he wants to lecture Don about black history and all this. And he's and these folks then came here, they fled, came here, and now they want to tell us about 
the way that we pay for them. So let's see what they got to say. On your explanation, reductive and actually insulting, including to black Americans, to say that black people today, compared to 1964, 1865, haven't made progress in part because of the freedoms we secured. And the Second Amendment was- what? The freedoms we secured. No, you didn't secure oh, anything, Vivek. Hold on. You didn't secure anything. You came over here on a curry canoe. You didn't secure anything. See, first of all, it wasn't a whole bunch of y'all over here in the first place. That was my ancestors that secured you that curry boat. You took a curry boat over here because of what we built. So let's get that straight. 1865, haven't made progress in part because of the freedoms we secured. And the Second Amendment was Black part of what secured them please, freedom. I cannot keep a thought if you guys are talking to me in my ear. So uh, hang on one second. So to say that, that black people, say, say what you said again. Black people secured their freedoms after the Civil War. It is a historical fact, Don. Just study it. Only after. Oh, the Seminole Maroons were securing some freedom. Slavery came down before 1965. So, so, so wait a minute. Let's get, let's get real clear about that, Vivek. See, these folks come over here for five minutes and they want to lecture us about our history. Because, see, the thing is, they came over here on a free ride. Y'all came over here as an immigrant on a curry canoe. And you weren't fighting. You weren't in the trenches. You weren't in them swamps down there. You wasn't out there fighting white supremacists and working on the plantation and getting raped and beaten. And you weren't really putting in no work building this country. You came later after all the heavy work was done, Vivek. What are you talking about? Clean it up, Vivek. Hold on. Black people. And not only that, you come, you you came through with your curry canoe, and half the if the women want to get a good job, they gotta look like damn near J Lo. They can't look like like Quenisha. There's a lot of Dravidian sisters out there in in India. That's midnight black. They can't get no job because they don't put no cake soap on. They don't, they don't put no bleaching cream, so they can't get no job. You got a curry coon caste system out there, and you're trying to lecture us about what, what we did. Hey, what you said again? Black people secured their freedoms after the Civil War. It is a historical fact, Don. Just study it. Only after their Second Amendment rights have, were secured. They That's were not secured their freedoms after the Civil War. That is not, you are discounting the, uh, Reconstruction. You're discounting... Oh, okay. Hey, Don... Gotta give credit where Don. They gotta give credit where. Hey, Don Lemonade's keeping it, keeping it one hundred with him. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, I gotta give credit where credit is due. Don is telling the truth. Reconstruction. See, I didn't even hear this yet. I knew the history. Don knows the history. Don knows. He knows. Even Sambo's know the history. I'm not sure where's Don's people from. Hold on. Let me see where Don's people's from. Where is Don's people from, man? Is he a foundational? I believe so. Where's Don's people from? He's from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Okay. Don. Okay. So Don's folk, he started off in Birmingham, Alabama as a news anchor. Don, okay, so all right, hold on. Lemon was born under the surname of his mother's then husband and discovered that Wilman was his father when he was five. 
mostly African-American ancestry, Creole. His maternal grandmother was the daughter of a black mother and a white father who had French and Scots. Okay, it's a lot of... If you guys ever go to New Orleans, you'll know. You see some black folks down there and be like, no, they, they white. No, they ain't white. So he's probably... His people are probably foundationals. That's why he had to check his ass. Hold on, Vivek. You better get shit straight. Reconstruction. Again. Black people secured their freedoms after the Civil War. It is a historical fact, Don. Just study it. Only after their Second Black Amendment rights had, were secured. They That's were a not fact. secured their freedoms after the Civil War. That is not, you're, you are discounting the, uh, Reconstruction. You're discounting a whole host of things that happened after the Civil War when it comes to African Americans, including the whole reason that the Civil Rights Movement happened is because Black people did not secure their freedoms after the Civil War. And right. They, they were trying to, I mean, even after the Seminole Wars and the fighting and, the, you know, Nat Turner, all, all, all of that. All of that. And they still, they in, what do they do? They enforce black codes. Oh, y'all niggas don't want to work with each other no more. Okay, you can't hang out on the corner here. Oh, you can't work there. You can't marry a white woman. You can't do this. You can't do that. Oh, what's up with these sundown towns? All of that. All of that. Once we once we were no, no longer a use, and let's talk about peonage. Once we were no longer a use in American society, and they couldn't get the... The wealth off our backs without paying for it they enacted all these laws so jim crow quasi slavery what does he talk about talking about 1965 that things turned around people would try to change the freedoms that were supposed and to you know how they the got Civil it War they got their second amendment rights and they actually got the nra played a big role in that but no that's not true Today, down the, the NRA did the, not play a big role. They trained black Americans how to use firearms. That's a lie. That's not. The NRA did not play a big role. This is just historical fact. It's, but it's not the, historical the, fact. The, the part that I just find because you say it's historical the fact. The part that I find insulting fact. is when you say today black Americans don't have those rights after we have the gone through civil rights revolution in this country. After after we have gone through civil rights, no, there was no we. You were sitting around getting your ass whooped. You and Gandhi was getting your ass kicked by the British and kissing white ass and putting on bleach soap. That's what y'all was doing while we was out here getting it on with the race soldiers, while John Lewis and them was getting their ass whooped up on Edmund Pettus Briggs, while we had the deacons of defense giving the Klan the business, while you had folks like my great-great-grandmother with her 45 and her shotgun telling the sheriff to get the hell off her land, we was out here putting in work. You was still getting your ass whooped by the British. That's what was happening. Curry Canoes and Cass Cooning. That's what was going on on your neck of the woods. And you came over here on a free ride, reaping the benefits. Thank you very much to the descendants of slaves. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Telling an African-American about the rights and what you find insulting about the, the, the way I live, the skin I live in every day. Here's and where I you and know I have the a freedoms point that black view. and white, that black people don't have in this he, country here, and that black people do have. Well, here's country. where you and I have a different point of view. I think we should be able to express our views regardless of the color of our skin. We should have. We're not going to have alternative facts. We should be able to express our views. You see how we try to turn it around? Once, once, once Don Lemonade checked his ass like, hold on, nigga, you don't know what you're talking about. You're not going to sit up here and lecture me when you fled. See, this is what you fled from. You fled from this. This is what you fled from. You fled from this. car system has ancient roots but modern impacts 
the idea of caste originates from the Manusmriti, a book of laws for Hindus. It divides people into four castes on the basis of their profession. And outside this caste hierarchy lie the Dalit people, a caste deemed untouchable. The word Dalit comes from the Hindi word Dalan. Yeah, you you fled from that. A 19-year-old woman, leaving her grievously injured. She died 15 days after the attack. So this woman had a spine injury from gang rapes. Yeah, you, you fled. That's what you fled from. You fled from this too. City. And in Varanasi, you can find living continuities with ancient India, especially the core of Hindu religion, the caste system, into which all Hindus are born, marry, and die. The caste system divides people from birth to death. It fixes their jobs and their place in society, from Brahmin priests at the top to the outcasts and untouched. Only people who can perform the funeral pyres here in Banaras. When family comes to have a cremation of family member, the fire can only come from, from, you, the, from, from your family. family. Because if they could not take the fire from us, it means he could not be burned the body even Prime Minister died. Even the Prime Minister. That's what you fled from. To receive the benefits that we to bid the benefits and the bounty that we worked on. Damn it. Don't oh, trying to wag your finger. Over here wagging your finger at us. Debate. I'm not saying you without me regarding views, you as a black man, insulting that but you're me regarding you as a fellow citizen. You're That's sitting what I think here, we should whatever say. ethnicity you are, explaining to me whatever ethnicity about I'm, I'll what tell it's you, like to be black Whatever America. ethnicity I'm I am, sorry. I'll tell you what I am. I'm an Indian American. I'm proud of it. But I think we should have this debate. Black, white, doesn't matter. I think we should have this on debate. On the content of the ideas. If you do it, you should do it in an honest way and in a I fair think, way. And what you're doing is not an honest and fair way. Okay? we appreciate you coming on. With due respect, Don, I look forward to continuing that conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Papa. We'll talk about China. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, these folks that flee, these, these folks that flee, tether immigrant coons from the diaspora. I ain't talking about our riders. Love black folks globally around the world, but if you're a coon or a tether, no. Niggas that flee, and these immigrants that flee, have a whole lot to say about the descendants of slaves and oh well y'all should be here and you guys should be at this point in life and y'all are lazy and this that and the third and you using white supremacy as an excuse and this that and the third you fled this is what you fled from let me play it again this is what you fled from you fled from this you fled from this This is what you fled from. Welcome to Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Slumdog Millionaire, you 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 fled from this. Like, he's like, like, uh, 
Some people, if you're from the slums, we can't talk to each other. You heard what? Look, an Indian society has a perception that they live in very dirty conditions. Like they don't wash their clothes and wear the same clothes three days straight. Some people try to keep their distance from the slum people. If you're from the slums, we can't talk with each other because if I talk with you, I think something bad might happen to me. Most probably they will steal stuff. Sometimes they may snatch purses and run away. If I'm sitting here with my phone, they might snatch it and run away. That's what you were, that's what you left from trying to lecture somebody about blacks folks in the 1965 and this day and what happened. He, he was, and he was, Oh, it's a historical fact. It's a historical fact. He keeps wanting to mention historical fact. Don was like, no, nah, nigga, I'm from new Orleans. I might be Sambo and a coon from coon from time to time, but nigga, I'm from new Orleans. I know about some history. I'm from queen sugar, King cotton, right on the other side. I'm from queen sugar, nigga. What are you talking about? And see, this is the kind of stuff we have to deal with. Where the music at? Where the music at? Let's get this music going. Ex-WWE writer sues company over racist storylines with Bianca Belair and Apollo Crews. According to a story from Bloomberg Law, WWE is facing a lawsuit from Brittany a a uh, Abrams, Abrahams, sorry, for allegedly discriminating against a black female writer. The lawsuit also alleges she was objected to offensively racist and stereotypical jargon that was used in scripts for black wrestlers, including Bianca Belair and Apollo Crews. Bloomberg Law wrote about the lawsuit and noted that Brittany Abrahams was pretextually terminated from the company over taking home a chair from WrestleMania. Man, please. Maybe she shouldn't have took the chair. Maybe she should have. But you're the writer. And I'm not saying that you should be at your job just taking shit. But that wasn't the reason why they let her go. Those same chairs are given to fans in the front row and sold on WWE's online store. Brittany Abraham's multiple complaints were ignored and she was pretextually terminated for taking home a WrestleMania branded chair. According to the complaint filed in the U S district court for the Eastern district of New York on Monday. So hold on. You got somebody. Let me tell you something. I want y'all to understand this. Let's, let's dig deep a little bit. You got somebody that's basically saying I'm the writer, which means I'm the author. I'm writing for this company, which means my author penmanship is on point. This system was on point because it wasn't easy for her to even get there in the first place. And we let you go because of a chair. No, we let you go for something else. Brittany Abraham started her career with WWE in 2000. So dude, it's 2023. She's been there for 23 years. As a writer for Raw and SmackDown, one of the lines that was noted in the complaint was Bianca Belair saying, uh-uh, uh-uh, don't make me take off my earrings and beat your ass. 
The lawsuit also called out WWE's Nigerian gimmick for Apollo Crews. It is alleged that the accent Crews used was stereotypical in an exaggerated Nigerian accent. Brittany Abrahams also alleged in the lawsuit that she had been exposed to several racist proposals, including one on a Slack thread with Vince and daughter Stephanie McMahon, in which other writers suggested a black male wrestler should dress in drag. Let's break that down a moment. You want a black man to be buck broken is what you're doing here. However, the proposal was eventually abandoned when a white writer raised concerns that it would will perpetuate harmful stereotypes that would offend viewers. So basically, people in the wrestling world may be like, hey man, I don't want to see that. He don't need to dress in drag. We don't want to see that. We came here to see wrestling. We didn't came here to see trans. That makes perfect sense. In another instance, a writer suggested revealing a Muslim wrestler's secret to be that he was behind the 9-11 attacks. See, this sister is surrounded by race soldiers. Brittany Abrahams claimed that she was terminated for opposing these racists. You see what I told you? This was not the reason why she was let go because of the damn $100 chair. I've been here 23 years. I stole a damn, I took a chair. That sounds like some bullshit. She was terminated for opposing these racist, sexist pictures and is seeking reinstatement, damages, declaratory judgment, and an injunction restraining defendants from engaging in such lawful conduct. There is certainly a lot to unpack in this story. Okay, now there's another story I have. Now, I'm going to tell you the reason why. I'm going to tell you the reason why they let her go. Cause I'm a black man that's been in corporate. They let her go because she wasn't a coon. She said, okay, enough is enough. Hey, I got my bag up. I got my writing credits, man. I'm not about to sit here and accept this. And she probably was talking about it for a minute. She probably had brought it up for a while. She wasn't going to coon. Here's post wrestling, postwrestling.com. Now this gets a little deeper into it. Well, not so much deeper, but former WWE writer, Brittany Abrahams has filed a civil suit against the company regarding her termination and treatment while employed. She worked for the company from November, 2020 until being let go in 2020. Now this one's saying that she was there for 2020. Hold on. Something ain't right here. Let me, let me, let me look this up. Let me find out something about her. Cause the other article said she's been there for 10 years. Let's say what, okay, Sports Illustrated covered it. All right, what does Sports Illustrated say? So let's, okay, let's look at this article and then we'll look at the other one. So she worked for the company, they said from 2020. She got let go in 2022. So I was wondering, was she there 20 years? Was she there in 2000 or was it 2020 and that was a typo? But it said 2000. She was brought on as a writer for SmackDown and gained permanent employment following May. One of the few black writers on the staff, along with Silvers, who observed several of the complaints. She lists as part of the defendants, Vince McMahon, Stephanie McMahon, Christine Lebrana, senior writers, Jen Pepperman, Chris Dunn, and lead writers, Ryan Callahan and Mike Heller. 
So this was a whole, uh, there was also witnesses that she named Kyla Silvers, Chad Barbage, Brian Paris, Andrea Listenberger. Um, among the issues that Abraham had included dialogue written for Bianca uh, Belair that Abraham viewed as offensive with the lines for Belair written, uh-oh, don't make me take off my earrings and beat your ass. Yeah, that sounds like something a race soldier would say, which Abraham stated was based on cruel, ugly stereotypes of dark-skinned black women. With Abraham's voicing her concerns to Callahan by email and that Belair repeatedly said she did not want to say. Other complaints included a pitch including... Reggie Scripps in NXT dressing in drag while he was paired with Carmella, the Apollo Crews character, where he used a heavy Nigerian accent. Okay. Abrahams believes she was unfairly reprimanded for taking a WrestleMania chair when it was indicated she was free to take one after the show ended, as did other writers, and she was fired days later. I told you, this was a black woman that refused to coon, and they said, listen, Take a chair. Everybody could take a chair. Everybody could take a chair. But now we're firing you for taking a chair. Yeah, that's cap. I don't believe it one damn bit. Not one damn bit. All right, now let's let's see what sports sports illustrator sports illustrator says. Okay, so, all right, she was hired as a writer on SmackDown, temporary basis, November 2020. Brought on full-time in May 21. Fired in April 22. So, this sister was brought on as a temp, probably a contractor, for November 2020. She probably fought like hell to get into that position. And then they hired her on. So, she was damn good enough to do the work. Brought her on full-time. All these damn ads, man. Shit. This gets deeper. So, yeah, they brought her on full time May 2021. She was there long enough till they was having her do a lot of white supremacist stuff. She was hearing this stuff. I've been in this situation. They fired her on April 22nd. All right. Now. The suit claims that Abrahams made her complaint to discrimination. She was targeted for pretextual termination by the executive management team and her direct supervisor. So this was a sundown town in there. They all got around her and was hating on her. According to the suit, she repeated objectively to racially insensitive material in the scripts. In one instance, WWE senior writer Chris Dunn wrote a scene for Bianca Belair, who was black in which she was scripted to say, uh-uh, don't make me take all my earrings and beat your ass. Now, that sounds like something that they would say. She wrote a, uh, Abraham's wrote an email to SmackDown head writer, Ryan Callahan, saying the scene written by Dunn included racial jargon and offensive stereotypes. When Abraham spoke to Belair the next day, the wrestler said she had told Dunn Three different times that I don't want to say that line, but Dunn never listens to me. He puts that line in every week. See? All right, now who is Bianca Belair? These black folks be going through hell in these little positions. Oh, that's okay. She's 34 years old, Knoxville, Tennessee. Real nice looking sister. Hold on. 
for the WWE. Okay. Wow, man. I'm looking at Bianca B. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to think it's probably some decent, it's probably some sloppy, dusty looking white women that work there. The sister look decent. They hating on her. Real nice looking sister. Yeah, they they hating on her. Yep, I believe every word. Bian but Bianca Belair. Okay. So she said she don't want to say that line. When Abraham spoke to Belair the next day, the wrestler said she had told Dunn three different times that I don't want to say that line. But Dunn never listens to me. He puts that line in every week. The suit also alleges that Callahan proposed a racist storyline for a Muslim wrestler. So some dude named Mansoor was born in Saudi Arabia. He's yeah. So anybody that's anybody that's that's white, they're attacking. Anybody that's not white, they're attacking on here. Yeah, I believe them 100%. I believe them 100%. I'm not much of a wrestling fan anymore, but I had to I had to I had to I had to cover that. Had to cover that. So let's get on to the next topic here. What do we got here? Hold on, let's pull this up here. There was something that I wanted to cover. But I don't remember what it was. Okay, is this it here? Okay, I got an email. I keep getting this email. And it was it was it was some email talking about what did it say? The urgency of black innovation, advancing policies for economic growth, security, and opportunity. They keep sending me this stuff, they keep pushing this out. It might have been some newsletter or something I signed up for at one point, but this just happened on the 21st where they said Biden announces key appointments to boards and commissions. Now they're trying to make it look like here it is. Today, Biden announced his intent to appoint the following individuals to the Presidential Advisory Commission on Advancing Educational Equity, Excellence, and Economic Opportunity for Black Americans. So this gets a big, a big giant cap, cap, big cap, a rare, a big cap circus. They start talking about right here saying, I'm not going to read it all. Education programs, commission focusing on promoting career pathways public awareness of educational disparities so letting you know okay letting you know okay black folks y'all ain't got no money most of y'all going to jail you're being targeted blah 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 we know that providing solutions to these problems establishing local and national relationships with public private philanthropic nonprofit stakeholders for equity excellence and economic opportunity but they ain't talking about no money so the, the chair they got is somebody from north philly it's the first person they got 
this is this from the White House here. The first person they got, Malcolm Kenyatta. He completed his Harvard Kennedy's executive, blah, blah, blah. American Jewish Committee Interchange. Okay. Now, what do they say here? Bearer breaking, bearer breaking public figure. Open, first openly LGBT. Okay, that's nothing for black folks. That don't do nothing. Gun safety policies. Nothing for black folks. He lives in North Philly with his husband and his dog, Cleo. Nothing for black folks. Leslie Bakerfield, Howard University, honor graduate, another bought and paid for Negro. Okay, well, what do they got for them? Founding investor. It's a hundred most top influential association leaders. They just got a whole group of bought and paid for Negroes. Marla Blunt Carter, member. Professional practice, Rutgers University. State director for Obama, okay. Became the senior advisor, political strategist for Lisa Blunt Rochester. The first woman in person of color to represent Delaware. That don't mean nothing. Okay, Stacey Brown Philhat, member. Venture firm, investing in black and Latinx entrepreneurs. That's another weasel word. That don't mean anything. Founding member of the SoftBank Opportunity Fund. Okay. Valicia Cade, black first black female CEO and superintendent of the capital. That this old first stuff, Delaware, bolstering community faith-based business partnerships, interrupting school to prison pipeline. Zeta Phi Beta sorority. Oh, okay. Vincent Dorian Evans served as the. This is one of these long ass. I know Dr. Umar talked about this along these long ass Negro terms. Deputy director of the office of public engagement and intergovernmental affairs for VP Kuala. Yeah. Long ass nothing burger positions. Voted the young black change maker in 2022, the nation's largest youth voter organization. Nothing. Michael Anthony Holmes. Okay, nothing there really. Frederick C. Ingram, Secretary, Treasurer of the American Federation of Teachers, Master's Degree, Bethune-Cookman, nothing. Lonnie Johnson, Phi Deta Fave Fraternity, that's another, that's another boule Negro. Chad Dion Lazeter, Black and Jewish Beloved Community Dialogue, No Hate in Our Town, Nothing else either. At Adina Williams Lawson. PhD degrees from Bowling Green. Billy Mitchell. Congressional Black Caucus. Oh, well, there we go. Clarence Nesbitt. I mean, this is just Negro after Negro of nothing. Denise Peace. NAACP life member, Rebecca Becky Pringle, LGBT. This is why Pringle is a staunch advocate for students who have disabilities, LGBT, immigrants, English language learners, communities of color. There we go. Marissa J. Edmond or, or Marissa J. Richmond, 
Locally, she's a member of the Metro Historical Commission, having previously served as a member and past chair. Oh, there we go. Co-chair of the Transgender Revisor Committee of the Democratic Sea. Oh, another one. I'm, I'm just knocking down these boule niggas left and right. Knocking them down. Bernice G. Scott. Disadvantaged areas. Rural. Senior citizens. Mouse Smith. NAACP member since 1959. He's been friends with Jim Crow Joe for 50 years. I ain't got to say nothing else. I ain't got to say nothing else. Joe Tate. Detroit firefighter. Kenny Thompson. Member. I'm just looking, I'm just looking for the weasel words. All I got to do is find the weasel words. He had several positions in the Obama-Biden administration, including director of message events for VP Joe Biden. Oh, there, there you go. Beanie Pratt Wiley. This means nothing. It doesn't mean anything. They haven't said nothing that they're going to do specifically for the descendants of the slaves. They have not said a word. Not a word. I'm telling you. They've said nothing. They haven't said nothing that they're going to do specifically for black folk. Nothing. It doesn't mean a damn thing. I don't see the point of sending that email out. And I'm always getting these. And see, here's the issue that I have. Here's the issue that I have right here. I was sent for a grant. Now, the grant where they were basically saying, we're going to give almost half a million dollars to investments for black, indigenous, and Latina businesses in Twin Cities. The fact that you have to bundle us up with everybody else, that's problematic. But then when you signed up, they said, well, hey, listen, you would have had to own your business for at least three, three years, and you got to make $70,000 to $3 million. Oh, it's an accelerator program. That ain't really helping black folks. If you make it 70 to 3 million, you don't need no five, 10, 20, $30,000 all like that to grow your business. I mean, you could use it, but if you make it $3 million, $75,000 to $3 million. So they try to tell me, well, you ain't making $70,000. If I was making $70,000 doing my thing, I wouldn't need your ass at all, right? That's the theory. So what they do is they say, well, hey, you could sign up for this other grant. It's an LGBT grant or it's a veteran. Well, I ain't never been to the military and I ain't a buck broken Negro. So that one don't, that cuts me right out. So that, that's what happens with a lot of these grants. I talk about how this liberal limousine up here in Minnesota, how they do that. They'll say, well, we got half a million dollars in investments for black, indigenous, and Latino-owned businesses in the Twin Cities. And then you're like, okay, well, well, let me get some bread. I'm a nigga that ain't got none. Let me get some. Oh, you're not LGBT or a veteran, and you don't make more than what you don't need. So, no, we can't help you. They play those type of games. And that was my initial problem. That was my initial problem with this. That's why I did the cyber symbol report. I wanted to make sure I get this. I mean, I did it before, but I, you know, I've been holding off on putting it out 
But this is the problem right here in Kansas City. Wrong door shooting reopens questions about racism in a city that has seen a new wave of business investment. The shooting of Ralph Carl drew new attention to persistent disparities between black and white residents. Now, first, before I go into this article, what I want to do. I want to see what his family is saying. Allergies bothering me. I got to forgive me. Now, this was eight days ago. Listen to this. Yo, hey there, Russell. After Ralph Yarrow's mom, aunt, and family attorney met with the Clay County prosecutor, we spoke with them at that same courthouse. They gave us an update on Ralph's condition, saying that he's day-to-day, he's progressing, and he's still Ralph, still making... Now, that looks like the aunt that was with the white man. I see Sleeves Merritt. He's another crump. I see Sleeves Merritt in the background, standing with the family. The aunt... Let's see what she's, so let's see what they're going to say. President Biden. Yesterday, we also found out that he talked to the vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris, today. That don't mean a damn thing. When you have what they just sent you, what, what they just sent me in that email, Negro after boule, Negro after boule, Negro, and you're not talking about passing an anti-black crime racism, racism bill. It don't mean nothing. As Ralph does, he was making jokes. The large part of our conversation I had with the family and their lawyer centered around their conversation with that prosecutor and their satisfaction. Cleo Nagby saying after the meeting, she didn't feel good or bad, just okay. They believe that this case has only moved so fast because of demands for answers from people from all across the nation. Still upset that Andrew Lester was let free after he was brought in. And while they have more questions, they are- They ain't that upset. That ain't that upset. Because you know what? If he would have been LGBT or if he would have been a member of the Jewish community, man, they would have been talking about passing legislation right away. Number one, that even though Ralph was shot and had a bullet in his head for 12 hours, he is alive and he is healing. Ralph's family tells me they're also grateful for the support they've received from the community. I'll say thank you for Ralph. Thank you from me and thank you from every mother that has lost a child. And thank you from every mother that has a child injured in unnecessarily. This shouldn't be happening. Thank you. Um, the, none of this happens unless the community stops and says, I'm exhausted with this. This is not enough. They're too calm. They're way too calm. And see, these folks is immigrants. These folks, these folks ain't from here. They're, you know, I'm not trying to disparage them. I'm just saying, man. Y'all too damn calm. You don't want to say what happened. You don't want to call this what it is. You talking about this shouldn't happen or whatever. Say, say what the fuck it is. Say that this is a white supremacist shooting here. The man that shot Ralph Yarrow, his his grandson then already came out and said that, he, that he's a race soldier. Let me find out some more. Let, let, let me hold on before I render my judgment. That's why a lot of us on the underground and the black media, we're not really stomping too hard just yet. We're saying, okay, it's wrong, but damn it, man. Y'all is y'all is getting way. I'm not I'm not feeling the energy. Okay, let's see this. Here's another one. We just had our interview our conversation with but he is shot a second uh through to a conviction and kept him. Almost every cop who's 
Keanu Jefferson shot in her bed. Okay, let me see what they're asking. No the one of lifts the spirits. comments from Ralph were his comments to me. What Ralph experienced is what Ralph experienced. There have been neighbors that have reached out to me and I appreciate the neighbor that reached out to me and explained to me her side and where she came from. That's coon talk. That's could see that that's that immigrant coon talk. Y'all niggas is she asked you what what used what you said about these see she don't even want to admit because she got a white husband. That's Sambo Bedwinch Coon talk here, man. That's putting us in danger. That's that's that Botham John stuff. That's why that's why a lot of foundational black Americans, we're kind of separating from niggas like that. We can't unify with Negroes like that. Y'all are talking way too slick and too calm, and you're sliding it right under the rug. And statement was, was made. Police told her not to open her door. So that was the justification. However, Route feelings are valid. What he said is valid. How everybody else that was not shot said is not my business. Yeah, and I, I'll echo that. Oh just gosh, bit, man! You know, as as we get into the jeez. Okay, let me see another one, man. Let me see another one. I'm not. I'm telling you, they are too. Something that seems to be really senseless right now. Authorities have now charged 84 out. Ralph is just taking the day by day. He is healing. He is trying to make sense of something that seems to be really senseless. Right something now. that seems to be really sense. You you listen to the words that this broad's using. Because she has the bedwinch mentality and she's locked in with a colonist, she won't call it a white supremacist shooting. She won't say it. Authorities have now charged 84-year-old Andrew Lester with felony assault for allegedly shooting Yarl when Yarl mistakenly showed up at his Kansas City home Thursday just before 10 p.m. Yarl's family shocked Lester chose most people terrorists, but he has no indication County New York rural area looking for a friend's All right, hold on. Here's another one. Let's see what his mom's saying. To date on that I will say in the to him that night in terms of his injuries. Ralph was shot on top of his left eye that I will say in the left frontal lobe and then he was shot again in the upper right arm. He was shot, he had the bullet, he is gonna stay with him for that he was home and walking. Bullet in his brain of a range and the CT said that, and the doctor don't understand how, then I don't understand how. Yeah, so yeah, none of us understand how. Say. We're just all glad Ms. Nack. His brothers were supposed to go for a sleepover, but you have to come home before 10 o'clock. Okay, I'm gonna pick them up. Okay. And while he was standing there, his brothers didn't run outside. The man who has now been arrested, has now been charged, at first there was no arrest in the case, he says that he feared for his life that night. What do you, what do you think when you hear that response? Well, it sounds awfully familiar. We know that blackness in and of itself, just being black has been seen as a threat often in this country. 
And so when we hear him say, I fear it for my life, and we know that the only... Let me see what the mother's saying, because she should have said something, and this nigga started talking. I think he was being confronted. In the case said, particular case. Racial elements, it's a white shooter, it's a black boy, not criminal. That's Thompson was... Racing. Four years old, well... Yeah. Well, we, we want to know more about Andrew Lester and his, his mindset. The fact that he's 84 years old will be a, a consideration in terms of what he thought leading into the moment. But I'll remind you that the former president and the current president of the United States is about that age as well. It's not an age that's sort of over. And he decided. They want to they they put a age on white supremacists. They want to put an age on it. You see how, and he told her not to say nothing. Don't say nothing. Do like both of John's coon ass family. I wasn't really going to get get on them too much because they lost a son. No, them niggas is turncoat. They will put us in danger for a check. She's sitting up there looking all simple and calm with, get, with failed king. Sitting up there with failed king. Okra's little carpet muncher. Sitting up there with failed king. And just looking real silly. Ralph and I will argue about. Ralph and I will argue about. Ralph, can you put the sheet music down and do your English homework? <laughs> Mom, I don't want to do Eng my English homework because it's boring. Man. This, this is shameful. This, this is real shameful. Okay, let me see what you, what the aunt has the to say again. What's your reaction to the to this taking the case? The serious nature of he is able to talk to anyone at all is in fact a miracle, uh, and so it's hard to really explain the injuries and then talk. Everything we are grateful that he is alive because, considering what he went through, I don't think the person who did this intended that he would be alive. So. Mm. We are very, very grateful that he is still with us. We still see him. I can still hug him. His siblings can still hug him. So yes, we are grateful. We are upset. We are angry. But we also understand that it could have been a lot worse. To think that you have been shot twice, once in your head and once in your arm, but yet you find the will to get up and run to look for help but yet you're turned down two times before finally someone tells you, put your hands up and get on the ground in order for them to help you. That, it breaks my heart to the because clearly he needed help. Clearly you won't call this a white supremacist shooting. Okay, let An me see. An 84-year-old man is now facing serious charges in the shooting of a black teenager. Andrew D. Lester is charged with the Class A felony of assault in the first degree. It carries with it a range of punishment of up to life. Prosecutors say the teen, Ralph Yarrow, went to the wrong house to pick up his younger brothers. All Ralph did, according to officials, was ring the doorbell when he was shot twice, once in the head, through a glass door. Ralph, thankfully, was released from the hospital and is recovering at home there's a major part of Ralph that died on Thursday. He's going to forever have a scar on his head that's going to remind him that I was shot because of the color of my skin. The shooter, Andrew Lester, said he... Yeah, yeah, we're, 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 we're just not feeling 
We're, we're just not feeling the family's wordplay. I ain't heard him say white supremacist. I haven't heard the word racism. And Sleeves Merritt, that nigga's telling them, hey, let's just get a bag. Don't, don't, don't say nothing too much to turn it up. See, words matter. What did Jim Crow Joe say? Words matter. This is shameful. This is shameful. But it is what it is. It is what it is. I'll cover up one thing. You two might ding it, but hell. Um, I'm going to report something from the Defender, the Children's Health Defense. This is a posting from Brenda Bellotti, PhD. Yeah, please excuse me for my allergies here. This is an article. And, you know, if they take down my YouTube page, we'll just get another one up. We're just going to keep telling the truth. I'm sorry. Um, Pfizer gave millions to independent groups to push the jab vaccine mandates. Well, I already said, I already said vaccine, but anyway, pharmaceutical giant Pfizer in 2021 made numerous grants to medical associations, consumer groups, and civil rights organizations for the purpose of creating the appearance of widespread support for the jab mandates. Investigative journalist Lee Fang reported, um, as the jab mandates rolled out in 2021, Pfizer stayed quiet on the question of mandates, but public health groups, patient advocacy groups, doctors associations, community groups, and others along with the Jim Crow Joe administration actively advocated for jab mandates as a key measure to protect public health. New disclosures from Pfizer posted by Fang on his Substack shows that many of these same groups were taking money from Pfizer while they promoted the idea that the RMA jabs were safe and effective despite a lack of scientific data to back those claims. These damn allergies, shit. Prominent groups on extensive lists of those who took Pfizer funding while pushing the mandates included the Chicago Urban League, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the National Consumers League, the Immunization Partnership, the American Pharmacists Association, the American College of Preventative Medicine, the Academy of Managed Care Pharmacy, the American Society for Clinical Pathology, and American College of Emergency Physicians. Many groups did not disclose their ties to Pfizer. So when I say, I seen that Chicago Urban League, let's look them up. Sounds like some bought and paid for Negroes. Chicago Urban League, got to call you out. I don't think this man's making this up. He has specific names. Works to achieve equity for black families and communities through social and economic empowerment. Boy, I tell you. Forty fifth and Michigan Avenue. All right. And I always look at careers whenever I look at a place. That'll tell you all about it. Strategic plan. Founding in 1916. Apprenticeship program manager. Transition. Career development. Administer. HUD. STEM. Grants manager. No IT positions. Just a building engineer. 
All right. Who's the Who's the founder? Oh, we gotta figure. Yeah, we we gotta. Maybe I'll go to the about. <clears throat> now I'm looking at this Chicago Urban League man. Partners, careers. Let's look at partners. Oh, they got funding partners, McDonald's, Avant, Bank of America. Do we have any big pharma? Black Tech Mecca. Okay. Well, not really seeing much on the website about who's like who's the the leading person. Not really seeing that. I'm not seeing that. But it says these groups set the nature of the debate, Fang told comedian political commentator Russell Brand on a recent episode of Stay Free. They appear in the news media. They create events and they create a discourse that look authentic, that looks organic, but it benefits the bottom line of their benefactors of companies like Pfizer. Oh, Fang said many of these organizations, particularly civil rights organizations like the Chicago Urban League or the National Consumers League, which actually has a Pfizer lobbyist on its board, have powerful influence precisely because of their independent status. When these groups speak out, Fang said, it affects how regulators see those issues and how the public sees them. When they see these third-party groups that have some credibility, these are famous organizations that are known for standing up for the public interest. When they say, hey, these mandates are good for the idea for the American public, it seems genuine but they aren't disclosing the Pfizer money, which is a relevant factor when you're talking about a policy that compels Americans to take this product. And the Chicago Urban League ain't shit for that. After the jabs became widely available in early 2021, jab mandates followed in different forms across the country. At the federal level, the U.S. Department of Defense mandated jabs for military personnel and the Jim Crow Joe administration mandated jabs for federal contracts and for all employers with 100 employees or more. That was later struck down a federal court. Universities mandated the jab for students and staff. Many public and private employers across the country mandated the jab for employees. Several school districts across the country plan to mandate jabs for children to attend schools. Most of these plans have been rolled back. Those who instituted mandates justified them by asserting that mass jab and only mass jab would stop the spread, which is not true. But it has since been revealed that in March 2021, when the CDC director Rochelle Walensky publicly and unequivocally stated on MSNBC that people that were jabbed would not get sick, there was no evidence to support her statement. In fact, the CDC had to walk the statement back a few days later. Jim Crow Joe also falsely claimed that the, the people that got the jab would not get infected. In July 2021, just before the jab vaccine mandates, I said, well, I said it, whatever the hell, went into effect. The jab makers have since acknowledged they never tested whether the vaccines would stop transmission, and the FDA reported that people that took it in both Pfizer and Moderna, clinical trials contracted the virus. Well, I seen something with Moderna, where they weren't even letting people take it no more. 
That's what I heard. Now, and this is in back in 2021. Look at this. This is October 8th, 2021 on CNBC. Nordic countries are restricting the use of Moderna's COVID vaccine. And it says, here's why. The decision to limit the use of the Moderna has causes linked to cases of myocarditis, a condition where the heart uh, muscle becomes inflamed. Shout out to died suddenly, man. Shout out to this for real. Shout out to them. Because it's all coming out. It is all coming out. Shout out to the defender. They're doing they're they're, they're fighting they're fighting a good fight, man. They're fighting a good fight. Now listen to this. This is a Utah woman is first to sue Merck alleging Gardasil HB HPV vaccine caused cervical cancer. I've heard of women taking these HPV vaccines and getting cervical cancer. She filed in federal court that the vaccine caused her to develop cervical cancer and other injuries. The lawsuit on behalf of Caroline Cantera, 25 years old. The first lawsuit to allege Gardasol can cause cervical cancer. The very cancer Merck asserts Gardasol prevents. Cantera alleged New Jersey-based Merck and company and a subsidiary Merck Sharp and Dome oversold Gardasil as a cervical cancer vaccine and downplayed known health risks to enhance sales. Telling you, man, y'all need to check out the Defender. The, the, the childrenshealthdefense.org. Make sure you bookmark that. They're fighting a good fight, man. Who is telling the truth, it says. Tucker Carlson calls out corrupt media and politicians. He said, who is telling the truth? There are not too many of those. He said, it's nice to have a truth teller around. It's helpful because suddenly the stakes are very high. Now, Carlson said Kennedy knew that the COVID vaccines were both ineffective and potentially dangerous. And he said so in public to so the extent he was allowed. So that's probably why they kicked Tucker, Tucker Carlson out. Remember, I talked about that on the last broadcast. Let me see. Advertisers. Imagine the administration declared that if you didn't rush out and buy at least one my pillow, and then at least another booster pillow, you would not be allowed to eat out. You couldn't re-enter your own country. You couldn't have a paying job. My pillow, they told you with a straight face, was the very linchpin of our country's public health system. Now imagine as they told you that, that Fox, as a news organization, endorsed it, amplified the government's message. Imagine if Fox News attacked anyone who refused to buy my pillow as an ally of Russia, as an enemy of science. And then imagine that Fox kept up those libelous attacks, even as evidence mounted that my pillow caused heart attacks, fertility problems, and death. If Fox News did that, what would you think of Fox News? Would you trust us? Of course you wouldn't. You would know that we were liars. Man, the defender, man, they're fighting a good fight, man. We've been duped. We've been bullwinked. Or I was say not bullwinked. We, we've been hoodwinked. I'm telling you. It, it, it's bad. We're going to go ahead and close it out, man. I'll see y'all this weekend. We're going to come up with the, you know, we're going to keep fighting a good fight. We're going to keep telling the truth.
It's all good, man. We gonna get we all gonna work together and we gonna get this thing popping. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe to Bagland Podcast. We will come up with another channel if the tube decides to try to take me off. You can't ban the truth. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe. Over and out.